BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus, at least in our upfront segment here today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? It's going all right, man. It's going all right. Hopefully after today's podcast, it's going to be even better. I mean, you'll hear me admit this when KP joins us. I was a little catastrophically depressed when the Warriors slipped a spot, but maybe I was being ridiculous with that. But the bottom line, Maxime, so Warriors now know what pick they have or picks they have in the upcoming draft. And we have Kristen Peak, our draft guru, who I just love, who's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes here. And I cannot wait to hear about who we should take and all of the draft knowledge she's going to drop. But the reason I bothered you, I have a couple of personal and public apologies I have to make, man, and I'm kind of embarrassed by them, and I didn't really want to do them in front of Christian, so I figured I'd, I'd suck you in here early, we'd get him out of the way, and then just pretend like it didn't happen when Christian hops on, because I don't think she listens after she records, you know? Right, let's hope. I think this is a smart move. Yeah, well, let's find out. A uh, couple apologies. So, man, apology number one. Maxime, I got to apologize to the group of Brooklyn fans I was sitting in front of at the bar. I went over to the Oakland Athletic Club for that Milwaukee Brooklyn game seven. So, I mean, I shouldn't even hedge it. I shouldn't even explain it. But by way of somehow justifying it. Maxime, I got hammered. I got way too drunk. I saw friends I hadn't seen for a while. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about the game. Like I was into it. I mean, we're, you know, game seven and in the playoffs, but I didn't have a dog in the fight. Warriors aren't playing. It was just kind of background news. And then about a quarter in, I realized there was a table of just ridiculously rowdy Brooklyn fans, I have competition problems, man. You know that. And so by halftime, I suddenly found myself really caring. And by the second half, dude, I was out of hand, way out of hand. Apparently, I'm dealing with some, like, repressed KD abandonment issues. So, look, Brooklyn guys, I, I apologize. I definitely shouldn't have screamed. Draymond was right. I definitely shouldn't have screamed KD multiple times. Probably shouldn't have screamed KD as over and over again so look dude i apologize i was wrong and as long as i'm you know handing out apologies let me also apologize to the remarkably nice looking fairly elderly woman who is sitting next to me on the ferry yesterday so maxime uh, <laughs> by way of kind of bringing you up to speed so you know they they revealed the draft lottery yesterday dude we we've been waiting for this 
all year. And I am back in San Francisco now. I can't handle the commute. The commute's kind of ugly again. So I was on the ferry. And I knew I was going to be on the ferry when the picks were revealed, but I've got that ESPN app. I could just watch it on my phone. I've done that before. And so I am on the ferry. We're going across the bay. We're about halfway through, and they're about to announce the eighth pick, right? So it's like it's right about where we're going to start getting nervous. My heart is just starting to pound, and the phone freezes up right then. And I, I do the thing where I, yeah, where I, I delete the program, try to start it out, and it won't, uh, it won't ultimately load. So I freak the hell out. So back to my apology. I am so sorry for seeming like I had Tourette's for like suddenly screaming fuck a bunch of times and freaking out and sweating like a maniac. Thank you for not calling the cops on me. And really, you know, I, I, it wasn't appropriate. I've, Maxime, I have been a little crazy since the last time we spoke and I had to at least throw that into this mic. I, I respect that. I'm sure that um, she's a fan. She's a listener. Uh, and uh, I can't wait for her to hear this. I think it's really going to make her day. Did you watch the Brooklyn Game 7? I did. Where were you on it? Like, were you in? You know, like, did you have a, a dog in the fight or, or not really? Yeah, it was, it was interesting to sort of watch, you know, because, I mean, it was so back and forth, right? And there were moments where I still have a little bit of love for KD, even though he's not on the Warriors anymore, and um, I couldn't help but let that come out. But at the end of the day, man, I really want to see Giannis uh, get a chip. And so uh, I loved how the outcome came out. You know, I feel like he really earned his stripes on this one. He kind of put some of the past uh, playoff no-shows behind him, uh, and I felt really good about it. I have some, like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde shit going on in me because right before that game started, I was telling somebody, you know what? I wish nothing but success for KD. Really hope he moves on. This is going to be so great. You know, all he did was help us, and I would like to see him reach happiness. Then we fast forward about 25 minutes, and I'm screaming the most inappropriate shit of all time. And, I mean, I, I know I tried to hedge it by saying that I was drinking. Maxime, if I was drinking heroin, I don't think it would have justified some of the things that flew out from my lips. So, again, I apologize enough about non-warrior related topics let's welcome in both kp and marcus and figure out just how the warriors can use these picks this episode of the huddle is brought to you by our presenting sponsor the athletic club oakland a local sports bar we just love look COVID stole a lot of things from us over the last year. And one of the biggest things it took was the ability to watch sports with other people the athletic club is giving that back to us. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables and huge TVs and their full complement of service and food. It's big, it's comfortable, and it's just a great spot to watch the NBA playoffs with other NBA fans. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the league, and we hope you'll join us there. In fact, if we see anyone at the ACO in a huddle shirt, beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. It is my great pleasure to re-welcome into the huddle a 13-year veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, and focused on college basketball and the NBA specifically. For the last half decade, an NBA draft guru and expert, and the woman who called both LaMelo Balls and Tyrese Halliburton's success last year, 
Miss Kristen Peak. What's going on, Kristen? Hello. I am in Chicago here at the Draft Combine. Ready. I'm really excited for the five on five tomorrow, even though all the players we care about won't be playing. But I'm happy to be here. I always love joining you guys. And um, yeah, let's talk about the draft. You stole my first question. So I know you're in the draft combine and I was all excited to kind of show that I've been stalking you. I was going to, you know, off the cuff and be like, Hey, where are you now? And then I was going to elicit that. So you, you've stolen my thunder a little bit, but the, the Chicago combine stuff, I'm bringing it up for two reasons. I'm going to save my selfish reason for a second here. The first one is what's the environment? Like last night, are, were you out there? How long have you been in Chicago? I just got in today, so I was not here last night, but I talked to, like, I talked to Mike Boynton, who talked to Cade Cunningham after he found out he's pretty much going to Detroit, Yep, (laughs) you know, and a few other players, like the way the draft fell. I mean, I, I know if you're the, if you're an Oklahoma city thunder fan, you're thinking like, what the hell just happened? Like we fell out of the top five, but Um, I think it was a very fair draft lottery and I'm excited to see who these teams actually pick. Well, you better tell me that the Warriors have a lot of great picks coming or a lot of great players they can take with the seven and 14. Otherwise I will think that this was an awful draft draft lottery and take it really hard. Um, But let me ask you this. So, I focus on this from such a selfish perspective. You know, the, I, I watched last night as a television show. It's going to dictate what new characters are going to be on my new favorite team. But in reality, this is impacting, you know, young men's lives. These guys are finding out where they're going to be living going forward, dealing with the actual players, talking with them today. What does today look like? You know, after they find out where they're going to go, what kind of personal reactions do you run into when you talk to these guys? Oh, I'll tell you this. I think Kate Cunningham is the only one who is very comfortable with knowing that he's going to go to Detroit. Yeah. Two through 14, two through five, it's going to be, you know, up in the air. I have, <laughs> I have Houston taking Jalen Green in my latest mock draft. Hmm. Other people have, you know, the Rockets taking Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs. And so there is a drop off after number six which I mean, I hate to tell you that because the the Warriors have the number seven pick, but there still is a lot of value at seven to 10, you know, but it's just like when I, I talked to, I mean, there were, there were a ton of scouts and a ton of teams at this event that I went to two weeks ago uh, as the Pangos all American camp. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. We know who's going top five. Who do you have at six through 10? Like every, all NBA teams are trying to figure out like, what is the best value at six through 10? I think you mean so, seven through 14. Those, that's the best. It's like a 14 player deep yeah, draft. Right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yes. Cool, 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 cool. Passed cool. off at 14. Yes. Yeah. Gee, at least she said, you know, at least it's six through 10. That at least incorporates seven. The first thing she told us was if you have one through six, you're all good. We're, we're like, <laughs> we're literally one step and after. And I just told her how emotionally fragile I was. So I'm not sure why she's taking these shots. Um, I'll still give you this compliment and reveal the secret reason I wanted to talk to you about the Chicago camp. The other reason I wanted to ask you about it is because it's the perfect setup to one of my favorite tweets of all time. Oh my God. From you. And last night quote from KP right before they announced the, uh, the draft lottery quote. I love how ESPN is talking about these top draft prospects. Like they've been in the gym with them. Where were y'all at USA B-ball mini camp in Colorado? Pete Sham 2019. Again, 
I've never seen any of these. And then this is my favorite part, Christian. You put quote unquote experts at any of these key AAU events to evaluate prospects. So nicely played. And what I wanted to do is just give you an opportunity. If you just want to come out and just say, hey, fuck yourself to ESPN right now, the mic's yours. I mean, like, absolutely. Please take no, it. No, no, no. Do you know how much heat I've taken from that tweet from awesome. actual, like employees at ESPN? Like I was talking about and, and like I'm not about calling people out specifically <laughs> Jay Billis, Jay Williams, but like. When I see those guys in studio talking like they know who Kay Cunningham is and they've been in the gym with him and Scotty Barnes is the sleeper pick in the top six, I'm like, what? where have you guys been watching? But where I got the flack is Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, even Corey Alexander, like, you know, came from my head on Twitter today. And I'm just like, I mean, I said what I said. I'm not, I'm, I'm behind it. <laughs> And like, here I am grinding. Like I've been in the gym with these kids since they had braces and here ESPN has two talking heads on their show talking like they know these kids, like get out of here with that. Like, no, 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 no. So I'm going to, I'm going to call them out on it. I think we both know that I can associate with, in this case, really well-founded anger. So I am with you. Hell yes. I was, I was heated. Like I can't explain where, where the, the hatred came from, but I was heated watching that draft lottery oh. show last night. I'm like, this is my favorite draft class of all time. Like, how dare you speak on these kids? Like you actually know them. Like, I don't know where it came from. I know where it came from. It came from Justified Town. Don't you worry about that. It was totally justified. And as long as we're doing this, I'm going to make an admission to you that I shouldn't. You should know that after we talk. So there's there's always kind of like a gray area between when we record this and then when the pod is actually published, right? I mean, it takes Maxime a little bit to put everything together and then go public with it. Generally speaking, during that gray area, I call as many people as I can and drop your little nuggets that you've given me as if it's just my knowledge. It's like, oh, you should look out for this player or blah, blah, blah. So I am basically one of those ESPN talking heads that you hate and no, I don't know, no, but you're not, you're not because you're not in a suit and you're not making, you know, three times the amount of money I am sitting in the back <laughs> half of gyms in South Carolina with no air conditioning. Actually, what you don't know, I'm right now currently sitting in a suit holding a giant golf check <laughs> signed by ESPN. So, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Let's move on to a segment I'm a little afraid of now, but I'm also excited for glass half full. Christian, you've done this with us. The idea is pretty easy. Normally, we look back at recent Warriors history, give out something we like, something we don't. This one is going to be a little tweaked, right? The only recent Warriors history is finally finding out where the Warriors are. They're at 7 and 14. So what I want is to figure out how everybody is feeling. Is this glass half empty? or half full. Christian, go last because you're going to be our objective measure here. I'll go first. Ah, it started as remarkably half empty. I panicked. I was catastrophically depressed. I, I had talked myself into a number one and number four scenario, which was never going to happen. I understand that, but it's that same optimism you have when you buy a $1 lottery ticket expecting to win like 25 million. You know, like I was all ready to watch the beginning of a new Warriors dynasty. And when they not only didn't get the one and four, but got kicked back to seven, it, it depressed me. I, I took it really hard. Since then, it's been justification Olympics. I have read so many mock drafts, including yours, Christian. I've talked myself into this. No, it's a deep draft. They're going to get two picks, two rotational players. So now I think 
I'm sitting on half full, but I can't tell whether or not it's just a delusion I've given myself, which is why I'm excited to hear your ultimate response. But let's work up to it. Marcus, where are you at, man? Are you half full, half empty? I am half full, but only because I am still a big fan and want to see a new death lineup of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Oubre, and Draymond. And I don't think that happens. I think we don't extend a offer that Oubre would consider using our ability with his bird rights to go over the, the cap. I don't think we give him that kind of contract offer if we land a talent um, that's in the top six. So I'm half full, but not because of where we sit with seven and 14 and the fact that we can package those up and do something. I think it sneakily allows us to keep a player that I still think um, has a big upside in our system. And hopefully he doesn't go to the Knicks or somebody else. And we get to see that death ball lineup. Huh? Uh, not a take I expected, but one I respect Maxime, where are you at? Uh, personally, I'm half empty. I'm not feeling great about this. I also want to share with you that uh, about a decade ago, my dad and I hiked from the North Rim to the South Rim in the Grand Canyon. And uh, we were a couple hours into the into the hike and a guy blows by us um, wearing nothing but plaid shirt and shorts, holding an apple and a water bottle backwards. And a couple hours later, he was going back up the canyon, still moving backwards. And so I had to stop him and ask him what the hell he was doing. And he said he was training to break the record for fastest time rim to rim of the Grand Canyon backwards. Um, and I feel like both you and Marcus are in a race against this guy and actually might be able to beat him with the speed at which you're racing backwards. So I don't know what's going on. I think we should all be bummed out. It is impossible for me to tell you how annoyed I am at that person, even though I've never seen them. In fact, I don't know what annoys me more, that there is, in fact, a record for walking backwards or that people are actively seeking it. I, I mean, just in case that plaid-shirted walking backwards gentleman is listening, walk forwards. You're not that important. Just set a normal record. That is totally ridiculous. Uh, Christian, how should we be feeling? All right. This is your favorite draft class. You've been with them since braces. I heard what you said. I understand that there's a difference between six and seven, but you know, the Warriors team, we are now adding two assets from this draft, half full, half empty. I'm going to say half full because I still, even though there's a drop off after six in terms of, you know, what teams know they're going to get in players, there's still a lot of value at seven to 14. And I'm talking about, you know, maybe someone that is very similar to a player that we all know, and that's Donovan Mitchell, but his name is Davion Mitchell, who also wore number 45 at Baylor, who's a better on-ball defender. His nickname is, is, Scott Drew told me his nickname uh, is Off Night because every player that goes against him has an off night. Love that. And... He's 22 years old. He's one of the older players in the draft class. And I think he's one of the most NBA ready guards in this draft. I mean, he led Baylor to a national title. He, you know, upset Gonzaga and their undefeated season and broke some hearts along the way. And this is a guy who was the best player in the NCAA tournament who averaged 13.2 points and six assists during the tournament, which is at like the height of everyone's playing ability. So he's a guy that knows how to win. He can definitely come off as like the, you know, and give good minutes behind Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And I think he could be the future that the Warriors want to build 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 around. 
So perfect transition. Um, what I was going to do is ask you to give me three names they could get and then go through them in depth. Let's just start with Davion and let me start with a, with a concern. So, I mean, I, you know, I am like that person who walked by Maxime and his father, right? I have spent the last, I don't know, four or five hours watching Davion Mitchell highlights because I want to talk myself into him. One of the things I ran into that totally unnecessarily concerned me came out of exactly where you're standing now, the Chicago draft camp, that he, he when they took his measurements, he was shorter than everybody thought. He's listed at 6'1". It sounds like he's about six feet. Should I be worried about his lack of size? I don't think so because it didn't hinder him against some of the top talent in college basketball. And the way he plays the game and the way he sees the floor isn't going to hinder him at the NBA level. And I mean, I mean, how big is Donovan Mitchell? Is he six one? Like he's been, he's one of the best guards in the NBA. And so I think having that comp and knowing that so many players or so many teams passed on Donovan because of his size, like Luke Kennard was picked ahead of him. And I understand that Luke is on a team that is still playing in the playoffs. Although I think the Suns are going to take it in four, but like, you look at teams that pass on players that because of their size and, you know, they pan out and they end up being all-stars. And I think Davion Mitchell for what he proved and what he showed NBA scouts and everything in the tournament, I think he has all the tools to be productive at the NBA level. I should have said this up front when I was kind of touting your credentials, just as a random thing. So we, we all got on here and as the listeners know, we had an opening segment and there's an in-between. And Kristen was literally two minutes late. And then when she came on, casually mentioned, hey, guys, sorry, I would have been here. The reason I wasn't, I was stuck talking to Scotty Barnes and Zaire Williams. So you know, you, you, her credentials are uh, couldn't be more rock solid. Here's a random one. And I got some Wiseman stuff for you. Let me start it with a crossover question. If the Warriors were lucky enough, they, they land Davion, who do you think would be a bigger contributor to title hopes next year? James Wiseman or Davion Mitchell? I mean, it's a guards league, right? Like, I, I honestly think, I think, and we've talked about this. Like, I think James is still another year, like two, three years. Like, look what DeAndre Ayton has done for the Suns. That's three, four seasons into his career. So I think, like, when I look at James, he is two, three-year, you know, pro where he starts to contribute and make big plays. And a lot of that has to do with confidence. And I don't think James has the confidence yet. And I think when you look at Davion Mitchell, like he's a winner, he knows how to win. So I think he could be a bigger factor in contributing right away other than Wiseman. You gave me a ceiling, Donovan Mitchell. Give me his floor. Worst case scenario for Davion. Oh my gosh. And a guest, and you don't think this is going to happen, and all the other hedges, I know you have a relationship with them, and this is not on the off chance that Davion listens to this. This is not what you are projecting. I am forcing you to tell me the worst-case scenario. Honestly, worst-case scenario, and this isn't even a worst-case scenario, is Monte Morris, you know, someone who comes off the bench, who contributes really well to an NBA team and has, like, a few breakout games, maybe sometimes in the playoffs, you know. 
Maxime, how you doing? You feeling any better? So nope. we, we've, we've heard one of the people who could come. Nothing? Donovan <laughs> nope. Mitchell? Come on, man. Donovan Mitchell? Spider-Man? I mean, that's that's a pretty solid upside. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm just, you know, again, I'm trying to reconcile how we deal with Clay and Steph and Draymond's timeline. You know, I'm not, I'm still not convinced that a guard is who we need. You know, it's just, it's hard for me to square all of this. And plus, I'm still a little bit sour because, you know, Kristen just said, like, yeah, it falls off after six. So... I'm still hearing that. The best, thing, the best thing that you guys can hope for is Jonathan Kaminga falls off past the top five. That's the best thing that you guys can hope for. You mean the top six? Because if he goes to six, I'm not going to take it very well. I don't. I don't see. I don't think the Thunder would take him. Huh? Okay. Why? Just in conversations like I've no. had with the team, like they 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 could take him, but. Um, in terms of players that they're plugged in on, I don't think Kaminga is one of them. Very interesting. Um, well, it sounds like we have some work to do to convince Maxime. Give me another player. Davion Mitchell, there's one. Give me a, I want to get three people on the table. Let's go to Kaminga. Um, let's start with 50%, less than 50% chance. And in, in fact, here, let me, let me organize our thoughts. For Davion Mitchell, you know, and this is just a ballpark number, but 75% chance you think he's still there when the Warriors select? What What are the chances the Warriors have? 100%. 100% okay. chance he's still Excellent. there. Yeah. Um, now, let's go to Kaminga. Give me the same thing. Let's start with the percentage. What's the chance that he slips into the Warriors' lap? 40% chance. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, he's there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, give me a ceiling. Who does he remind you of? He reminds me a lot of Kawhi Leonard. In the sense where he uh, has the ability to, he's very, very ball dominant, right? So he's a ball dominant wing. He's young. He's one of the youngest players in this draft class after reclassing his junior year to join the G League Ignite team. And he was one of the most NBA ready bodies in the G League Ignite and uh, in, in the G League bubble and, you know, led the team in rebounds. He grabbed 93 boards and 13 games and averaged close to 16 points per game and only I mean, he didn't even play the entire season. So he is very good at ISO situations. I think he has a lot to learn at the next level in terms of playing alongside other great players and being the, you know, extra player, yep. not necessarily the one that has to make something happen at the end of the shot clock. So that's my only concern, but great size, 6'6", 210, like you can't go wrong with Kaminga. I mean, prototypical size is exactly what you want for the future of the NBA. Could he contribute next year? I mean, I, I am I'm, I am 100% hoping that that happens or 40% hoping that that happens. <laughs> but would he be in a position to immediately contribute the same way that Davion would? Or is that kind of a Wiseman-like project? No, no, no. I don't think he's a project of all, at all. He proved that he can play with former pros and excel and and, you know, shine in the G League players that have been there before and so when I look at him as an NBA prospect I don't think his jump would be that great when we in what we saw with Wiseman who only played three collegiate games and T you getting fired up I mean Kuminga man I didn't think we had any shot at him in seven yeah I'm definitely fired up I've always been a fan of him I think I threw out his name randomly uh, a few months ago but uh, I guess my no, question no would big be, deal yeah it's no big deal yeah um, just breaking your arm to pat yourself on the back you way know, to go no, I mean no whatever deal. I mean, where, where I didn't see you at Peace Jam ESPN. I was there. <laughs> I was oh there with Kaminga. Yeah. He was um, there just talking. To, he was actually in a Kaminga jersey. It's weird. It, it was yeah. a huddle shirt underneath. But I mean, you know, give the man Look, Don't worry about me and JK's relationship. That's just what we do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess my question would be to KP. Um, say for whatever reason, 
the people that get drafted in eight and nine move up and OKC takes him and Orlando takes him. Um, and we have the choice between Kaminga and Davion and Mitchell. Who do we choose? Kaminga. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think he's the better prospect. Okay. Give me a third name. Make the list longer. Keon Johnson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Guard out of Tennessee. And I've seen him. Well, I mean, I, I should say that Marcus mentioned him to me in 2013. So I've, I've known all about him for a really long time. No, I've, I've seen Keon Johnson's name and he's one of those people. I mean, you mentioned uh, Christian and you're right that even though there's a consensus on the tiers, you know, generally speaking, those top five names are all the same. The order that they go in is all over the board. And Keon Johnson's name, I mean, I've seen it as high as five. I've seen it as low as like 14. Um, and so tell me about him. I, I, I didn't watch him in Tennessee. Who is this guy? Listen, he is the best athlete in this draft class his first step off the dribble is insane he has extremely great like high basketball iq he's great in transition and also in the pick and roll like we saw this one play where where he he had this give and go with one of his players and had this nasty like poster dunk at the rim and in the interview post game he's like oh yeah coach said to us before the game that the give and go is something that people don't pay attention to anymore. So that's really what I honed in on. And I'm like, what, who is this kid that is like listening, actually listening to their coach and the criticism of the game and going back to basics and then applying it in real time during the game and having like a great play. Do you know what I mean? So he has a, a an excellent feel for the game, amazing body control around the rim. And I think the NBA game caters better to him than it did at the college level in terms of preparation. And he's just a guy that can go and, you know, he's going to have a very, very long NBA career. Give me a percentage. What are the chances the Warriors have at landing him? hundred percent. Like he's not, he's not going top five, maybe, maybe 90%. Like, I don't know if OKC is going to get, you know, <laughs> That's where I've seen it. Yeah. Like the justifications I've seen on the mock drafts are OKC just want, you know, they don't want to win next year. They don't necessarily want to win the next two years and they've got nothing but prospects and draft picks coming. So they'd be willing to kind of sit back and wait to see who he could become. Uh, give yeah. me a ceiling and floor. Who could he be and who could he uh, disappoint and become? I mean, I think is, I, I think he's very, very similar to, I mean, their teammates now, uh, Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook in terms of like his explosion and how he can get to the rim. And in terms of his ceiling, uh, I'm so bad at this. I mean, I don't know, Malik Monk. <laughs> right. I mean, that's his floor. His floor yeah. is Malik Monk. I understood. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. no, no, uh, please yeah. stop. Yes. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> no issue there. If only he can become Malik Monk, we uh, will be in business. Uh, Maxime, updated take. Come on, man. The names are getting better. Kaminga, we've got some real players here. I want to hear that you're happy. Nah, I feel like I'm riding a roller coaster, you know? <laughs> if you'd ask me with Kaminga, I'd say, like, yeah, it's feeling good. But now, I mean, Malik Monk, you know, uh, not making me feel great. Was anyone else worried about Maxime's vocal inflections when we first asked him how he was doing? I mean, he sounded like legitimately sad about how this thing was going. I thought I was the only one who had like emotional problems on this show. Give me I mean, one more name. Scotty Barnes. You, oh, yeah. Scotty Barnes. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about Scotty. 
literally one of my elevator friends. Yes. One of my favorite players I've ever covered at um, Florida state. It was crazy because when I talked to him before the season, I was like, Hey, how you doing? Like, how you feel about Florida state? And he goes, KP coach is going to put me at point. And I'm like, what? <laughs> because he's a guy, he played at Mount Verde Academy alongside Tay Cunningham, Moses Moody, Dayron Sharp, like literally the best high school team I've ever seen play and arguably the best high school team of all time. And he was playing like the four. And so all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'm going to bring the ball up. And I'm like, okay, this will be interesting. And it, the reason why um, Leonard Hamilton put him there was because of his long arms. He's got like a seven foot five wingspan. He's six foot nine, 227. And he is a great on-ball defender, a great perimeter defense defender can get down low and, you know, body with guys that are playing the four, but he also has amazing court sense. And this is a kid that loves to win. I don't think there's a player in this draft class that loves the game of basketball and wants to win more games than Scotty Barnes. Like he's a guy that came off the bench. And when I went to Florida state to watch him play a couple games, he never sat down ever on the bench ever. He just loves the game of basketball. He loves to play. And I think he's going to, you know, win a lot of games for an NBA team, the next level. Is there a chance? I mean, give me the percentages on him because yeah, I, he's another... of, course, of course there's a chance. Give me a number 50, 70. I know, I know the Thunder really like him. Um, so I'll give it a 50% chance. That's it's hard, hard with them picking before you guys or before Golden State. I so, say you guys like you're part of the team. <laughs> of the names you've given me, right? Kuminga, Barnes, Davion Mitchell, um, Keon Johnson. Who should I be hoping for most? You know, go honestly, if, if honestly, go I think it's going to depend on uh, team workouts and when they bring in. I think you know the Warriors know who the top six contenders are, and pending like really, really bad interviews from Kuminga or Barnes. Like they're not going to be there. So it's all going to depend on like workouts with Davion Mitchell and Keon Johnson as to who they pick as like the sixth man off the bench. MT, if you were going to advise the Warriors, not on a specific player, give me spectrum, you know, like what, what they should be trying to do. Would you want them to pick somebody with a higher upside? You know, someone like a Keon Johnson who could become a star in a few years or someone who's more guaranteed to contribute immediately next year, maybe like a Davion Mitchell? Uh, The latter, Mitchell. I think just to align with the windows of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you have to go with whoever is going to be an immediate contributor. If If the question is and the only scenario is whoever we have, drafted has to stay on our team and we can't trade those draft picks. We can't trade for a veteran. We have to draft somebody and put them on the team. Then I think you have to go with somebody older. And I think it plays into Mitchell's kind of profile to KP's point. He's older. He's 22. He's experienced. He's got a little bit of that edge to him. Um, and, you know, I think he would be a nice compliment to, to Jordan Poole and uh, would replace Nico Manning in terms of the backup point guard. 
when I like who he could be on that second unit, assuming that they're ultimately going to use Clay Thompson as the main scorer in that second unit, you know, and someone who can kind of get him the ball and play defense and, and all that other stuff. If, if I hopped in a time machine and we rewound this before the James Wiseman experience and you asked me which of those two, you know, as far as like spectrum is concerned, I was always more of an upside guy. I like the idea of like lottery tickets, you know, like maybe this person will be a star. Let's find out. I remember believing in like Anthony Randolph. But having gone through last year and being frustrated by watching development not necessarily add to title aspirations, I think I'm on your side of the ball. You know, I, I think I would prefer if they went more for immediate impact. How about you, Christian? Because the chances of the Warriors calling us, yeah, about zero. The chances of them talking to you are actually pretty high. What would you advise? You know, which, which side of the ball should they be focusing on here? I would go with experience and like, I don't... <laughs> And I, I hate to rehash this and bring this up, but I had to do, I, I wrote about a redraft of the 2020 draft lottery um, yesterday. And I actually had the Warriors taking rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball as the third slash brother <laughs> and James Wiseman falling to number nine. It wasn't even the Atlanta Hawks that were going to take him. Isaiah Stewart, who's the best rebounding rookie in the league, like proved that he is a solid contributor in the post. But um, like I said, I think it's going to take a couple of years for James. And when I look at what Davion Mitchell can bring to a team right away, I think you go with that and not, so much the question mark that Keon Johnson brings. We got to shout out KP for that real quick. She was steadfast. And every time we talked to her, she was like, LaMelo Ball is the best player in the draft. And we all gave her shit for it. And a bunch of other people did. And it proved to be right. So good call on that, KP. Listen, I have the I have the receipts. Both of you guys are saying this like this wasn't part of your intro. That's how I introed you. I, I mentioned Lamelo Ball. I I mean this fool Marcus over there. Like, oh, look, we got to make sure we give her credit. It's the first thing I said. It's like literally the first thing out of my mouth. Where do we find you right now, KP? Oh, yeah, yeah, you bastard. You <laughs> bastard. I just, all I know is that you're probably somewhere talking to someone about Kuminga nonstop, you filthy liar. Let's, uh, one last question about Wiseman because it's a pretty easy transition. Um, so I was going to ask you in one question, if Wiseman was in this draft, where would he go? Don't answer that. I'm going to make it two questions, all right? So the first one, pretend that Wiseman did not play in the NBA last year. Instead, he spent his 19 minutes at Memphis, right? Stop playing, and now is just a part of this draft class. In that scenario, where does Wiseman go in this draft? He definitely is not in the top five. Like, you look at who Evan Mobley is, and you look at James Wiseman, I think Evan Mobley is a better prospect. So, And then the top five is just so above every other prospect. So you're looking at the six to 10 range, I think for James in this draft class. Could it be six? I mean, there's a positive depending on how it played out, but like that, he, he might actually land at six. Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. Um, and be careful, be gentle here, but let's, let's get the other side of this. So now the, these teams have seen James Wiseman via, via some loophole, some magic error. Wiseman is in the draft, but they have watched him play for Golden State last year. Where would he go in the draft under that scenario? I still think top 10. Like I look at someone like Kai Jones, who is a huge question mark. He's got great size and he measured well at the NBA Combine and I put him in the top 10. Um, so I would pick, I mean, I think teams would take James Wiseman over Kai Jones in, in terms of like the second center drafted in this draft class. 
if we added Wiseman to the names you gave me for the Warriors to consider, Mitchell, Kuminga, uh, Keon Johnson, let's add Wiseman in there. Would you say that the Warriors should take Wiseman in that list or no? We're, we're still looking at Davion probably. No, I would, honestly, I would take, I would, I would go Kaminga. I would go Scotty Barnes. Then I would go James, Davion Mitchell and Keon Johnson. Huh. All right. Uh, I got some trade questions for you. But before we get there, as you know, we always have some personal stuff, and I'm going to make this one a choose-your-own-adventure, Christian. So we've got two kind of off-the-books questions. One is going to allow us to judge all of us, right? The other is a story that happened to me recently, and we will judge a friend of mine. Which would you prefer? Oh, a, a friend, quote unquote. Yeah, I'll take the, the it happened to a friend of mine. <laughs> you bastard. You know I would tell you if this was me. So, okay. Um, here's the scenario I need your guys' takes. I have made my way back to live sporting events. Not a lot. I just went to one. I went to a Giants game. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I brought a friend. We sat in the vaccinated section, which is in itself kind of a weird deal. It's the first time I've used my vaccination card as a passport. But we're there, and I'm enjoying, you know, being at back Peck Bell and I order some garlic fries, eat about a quarter of them. Christian didn't want to finish them. You know, I have nowhere else to put them. And I put them underneath my seat because I'm in my seats. The game continues. I'm enjoying my time, have a couple of beers. And then I don't know, somewhere around the fourth or fifth inning, I look up, look over to my friend and he's eating my fries. He's eating the fries that were underneath my seat. We have an enormous fight right there. He said the second that it goes under the seat, open, open to anybody. It was completely justified. My response is that's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. There's no way that you can take someone else's food. Help me. It, it justified. Is he allowed to eat the crap I've put on the ground or probably should have backed off? No, that's disgusting. And I, <laughs> I, I cannot believe that this was even a fight. Like as soon as it hits the ground, it's game over. Do not pass go. Do not pick up food again like well, i didn't to, to be fair to be fair they were still in the container i was saving them to continue to eat you know like it wasn't like i dumped Ooh. them down there they were still in the container i put them down and he looks at them and thought i guess i was done you know his defense to me was look the beer when you're done with it you put it underneath your chair when you're not done with it you put it in that little beer holder you know in front of you my response to that is there is no food holder so there is nowhere else i could put it so with that understanding make it any better or no dude he's still wrong hang on no i'm totally judging you now like oh. you, ate, you ate half of these garlic fries and then put them under your seat where else am i supposed to put them but i'm saying like who orders garlic fries and doesn't <laughs> intend to eat them at the same time like who likes one who likes cold french fries and two like i would never re-eat something that i put under my seat I can't. How did you do this? How did you turn this on me? <laughs> I thought that we agreed we were not going to be judging the members of the show. Marcus, Maxine, save me here. She's being ridiculous. I don't have any obligation to eat the entire fries in one sitting. They're my fries, dude. If I want to eat one in the first and the rest in the ninth, up to me. You can definitely eat them at your own pace, but KP is absolutely 100% right. As soon as you put them on the ground, you're a savage beyond <laughs> reprieve for putting them back in your mouth. There's definitely peanut shells in your fries at that point. Definitely and, not. Definitely, oh, definitely sure. like spilled beer. From what are you like, talking about? Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't sitting in someone's lap. I was the only person in that seat. No one was spilling anything. In the there. reason why there's no fry holder next to the beer holder is because you keep the fries in your lap and you eat them till you're done. 
This you put it on the ground, it's over. That's that means I'm done eating. Maxime, clearly these people have never been to a live sporting event. Hopefully <laughs> you have to. Am I right or wrong? Uh, I think the only thing worse than you leaving them on the floor is that your friend picked them up and started eating them because I agree that is disgusting. <laughs> I feel really left out here. I can't I thought we were all really gonna like join arms and point our fingers at my friend. All right, I'm I'm getting out of this topic. Let's go to trades. <laughs> And but I just texted Kaminga. He said, yep, it's gross. You shouldn't have ate him. No, wrong, wrong. <laughs> yeah, Actually, yeah. I am in concert with Keon Johnson, and we're inventing a fry shelf for outside stadiums <laughs> everywhere. And you guys will never get to use them. I need to know that right now. Here is my trade question. And it starts with a quote. So Joe Lacob went on the TK podcast recently, the Tim Kawakami podcast. And Kawakami asked him, quote, would you want two rookies to throw in this mix or would you strongly look at, hey, if you get two picks, you may want to trade at least one of them to get a veteran. And here's Lacob's response in pertinent part. Pertinent part, by the way, basically his fancy phrase for saying, I'm not giving you his full response. I'm pulling out the things that was most interesting to me. Quote, I know that's what the media is saying. I don't think that happens. And I'm sorry, it's just not possible to do. You can't acquire a veteran with a big contract. The numbers are impossible. We already have, by far and away, the largest payroll in the history of the league. It's not a question of wanting to do it. It's just not possible. So getting a veteran with a big contract, that's not happening. So stop thinking that. Stop analyzing. Stop saying it. It's just not happening. End quote. Smokescreen? or actual answer from Lakeham? It's got to be a smoke screen. I mean, he's saying the thing that he's supposed to say, but of course it's it's feasible, right? It's totally possible. For example, you know, if you package the two salaries of the players that we draft at 7 and 14, you can get back something, you know, in the 10 to 12 million range. Um, so I don't know if when he's talking about a veteran, like that's typically what, you know, that salary range is looking like. So of course it's possible. And that basically means when you boil it all down, He's just saying the thing that he needs to say because there's always the chance that the veteran that we want doesn't actually present itself um, and that we do end up riding with the 7 and 14 picks and we certainly don't want to project from our owner that we're, we want that was our backup plan. I, mean, I get the negotiation angle, right? You never. I want to buy a car. I'm never going to go to that person and say, you know what I want? Desperately, your car. Because, you know, my negotiation angle is all screwed up. But you also, I mean, this is pretty hyperbolic. Uh, getting a veteran with a big contract, that's not happening. Stop thinking that. Stop analyzing. Stop saying it. It's not happening. That might be a little bit further than just, I don't know, preserving negotiation leverage. Christian, how does this strike you? Smoke screen or no? No, I think, I mean, He's saying what he has to say in the moment. And you look at like the entire draft process and probably free agency teams are not going to give away anything. And so him saying that and same with like agents and players, like they lock these players down because they don't want any bad or wrong or clickbait information coming out on these players and same with teams. And so I think he's just saying what he has to say to get people off his back for this draft and for picking at seven and 14 and, you know, all the cards are on the table. Could they package it and trade it to trade to a team that really wants the seven and 14 pick to free up some cap space? A hundred percent. I think so. 
Could they, um, so we've, we've been doing trades for veterans over the last few weeks, and I'm sure we're going to jump right back into that. I'm also going to save our 14th pick, Christian. I'm, I'm always looking for justifications to have you come on the show frequently. So I'm going to split this up. Um, you know, I'm going I'm to save 14 in pocket. I'm also going to save veteran trades. Instead, I want to run a couple by you on how the Warriors might be able to move up, get into that top tier you've been talking to us about. Here's my first one for you. Would 14, 7, and Jordan Poole be enough to get up to either three or four Cleveland or Toronto spot? Yeah, anything's possible. But I will tell you this, like NBA teams have been locked in on this draft class for a few years now. And any team that has one through five pick and they know exactly what they're getting in the player that they want, it's going to be a hard sell to give up that pick no matter what they put on the table. Takeaway possible. It's possible my friend steals my fries for no damn reason. And then the other people I'm on a podcast with turn on me inexplicably about it. I want, what is probable? Is it could, I mean, if you were, pretend you're Cleveland, I call you up, I'll give you 14, seven and Jordan Poole. Will you give me number three? No, I don't think so. How about number And and I'll say this, and it goes back to the conversations I've been having with scouts um, around the league is there's so much uncertainty from six to 14 yep. and what they're going to take. So if you have a top five pick in this draft class, like you, you know what you're getting and it's an easy pick for you. But if you say like turn to six and 14 and then like a, a, a player coming off the bench, like it's going to be a hard, hard thing to give up. I think. Last two questions, interrelated. You've kind of already answered this. Let me just put it right out there. How big of a deal was it that the Warriors slipped from six to seven? Uh, big? I, I mean, like, are they going to really be screwed on the difference between those the, the players they could have gotten at six? It's a different positional ranking for sure. So yeah. instead of getting Kaminga or Scotty Barnes, you're looking at two guards to kind of fill the void in the future with Stephen Clay. All right. Here's the last one. You are now in charge of OKC. You're sitting on that six pick. You also have a ton of assets going into the future. I give you a call and I offer you seven and 14 and a protected future first rounder just to move up one slot so I can get into that six pick and maybe get Scotty Barnes or Kuminga. Would it, would you do it as OKC? No, I, Sam Presti is not taking that deal. That guy has 34 picks in the next seven years. Like he doesn't need a protected first round in whatever year. Like that guy has, that guy has uh, draft picks, you know, more draft picks than he knows what to do with. So no, he's, I don't, I don't think he's taking that. I wish this was a video podcast only so that you could have seen the smug look in my face as I was asking <laughs> you that, because I thought I was so fucking smart, Christian, like, like real deal. And I was like, I was going up to the portion where I was going to reveal that I was including the protected first round pick. And I was expecting you to be like, Oh my God, what an amazing. And instead you're like, Oh hell no, that's <laughs> hell of stupid. That makes zero sense. So I'm, I'm a little crestfallen. It, it hurts, but it also makes sense. You know, what? I feel like, I mean, I, I know we're ending this podcast, but I feel bad that you had so many fans ask about Moses Moody. Tell me about him. And you didn't even ask me. Well, was, I was, was going to ask about him at the 14 slot. It don't have to make me look bad. Okay. Are you, you know what? Are you- I think it's my last question because I had a whole bunch of questions here about Moses Moody um, that I really wanted to run by. I don't know if you have time for it. Uh, tell me about him. Go ahead. I love Moses. Like I said, I mentioned before, like he was on one of the winningest high school basketball teams in, you know, recent memory. Um, great, great size at what is he? Six, six. Um, 
a great shooter, great corner shooter, by the way, like he can knock that down. And when you look at Arkansas, they don't like to start freshmen. He was one of the first freshmen that they've ever started. And, you know, they made a great tournament run. Um, so I like him. I don't think he's as, as athletic as the other guards in this draft class, but if you can shoot, it's a shooter's league and knock down plays or knock down, knock down threes, then you're going to be successful. You, you take him at seven or this is more of a, no, a no, 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 yeah, no, 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 the Warrior fans have been focusing on over the last year. It's a, a guard three-point shooter. Sounds like he wouldn't make it into the top no, 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 twenty-five. No, no, no. So there we go. You're talking, are you talking about Josh, Gid- Josh Giddy? I from Australia. Like- Here, let me pull up Jessup's name. I'm like, I think I know the draft really well. <laughs> no, he was our he was our draft and stash pick last year. Yeah, he, yeah. Honestly, it's Jessup. I don't know who he is. I have nothing to say about him. And I didn't even realize that he was on the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So he's a future all-star. Uh, here's a follow-up question I should have asked you. It's Justinian just up uh, for... I've never, ever heard <laughs> the record. He's so good. You have no idea how good he's going to be. Uh, Scotty Barnes, I meant to ask you this when you told me. So when you speak to Scotty, he's just found out that he's going to be playing point guard. He's playing a position that he did not think he was going to be started at. Was he excited? Was he intimidated? Like what's his personality type? No, he was so excited um, because it was something that was going to challenge him and make him grow as a player. And that's literally every time I've seen Scotty from the time he was a sophomore or freshman in high school, he is looking to bring more to his game. So the fact that Leonard Hamilton was like, no, you're going to bring up the ball this year. He was like excited about it. He's, he's like a sponge. He'll, he'll soak up anything. He just, literally loves to play the game of basketball. I honestly don't know if I'm more relieved that the guy's name actually was Jessup. I've sweat through my shirt when you called me out. I mean, literally, I'm like, I'm soaking with sweat now. Thank God it was. Or catastrophically depressed that this guy's talent level doesn't even get to the place where you would know where the fuck he is. I have but, no you know, idea who that's he not is. That's great. That's not a really <laughs> great sign. He went to Boise State, born in Colorado. Like, I feel like oh my he God, he's it. a Colorado kid. That's even more yeah. embarrassing. I was born and raised in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> oh, Justinian. Yeah. That a way to buster out empty. I mean, in, in related news, there's no question in my mind that this was on Justinian's Wikipedia page. Right <laughs> now. There's absolutely no question. Kristen, you are awesome. You are always awesome. If people need to pick out more of your opinions, get more KP in their life, where do they go? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Peak or read all my stuff on Yahoo Sports. You know where to find us. If uh, you'd like some garlic fries, look on the floor of your closest sporting stadium. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at Warriors Huddle uh, for Twitter. In fact, that is our only social media presence. And if you want to get us a question, Um, or tell us that we were good, bad, anything. The best way to get in contact with us is our um, completely unprofessional Gmail page, which is warriorshuddle at gmail.com. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week.
Good, good. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.